And uh, as part of that, leading up to that, the Sunday before, we are having a workshop, a presentation on um, the experience of grief in the life of faith, uh, led by our own Lynn Batcher Robinson. And so please plan to join us on Sunday, October 30th for that uh, forum. Uh, and then the following Sunday will be All Saints. So if uh, uh, we'll be remembering those members of our congregation who have died in the last year, and we're, you'll be invited to light candles in honor of people who have died in your life. Also wanted to thank everyone who took part in the Pet Festival last Sunday. We raised $574 for uh, Underdog Pet Rescue, uh, including money that we uh, made off of food and then there was also a 50-50 raffle that Underdog did. So uh, uh, the number I came to was $574. So thank you all for attending. And uh, I thought it was a good uh, outreach event too. We, you, you know, we had our live music from our global musicians and we gave out treats and uh, Jen and Vicki and others helped prepare and serve food. And so thank you to everyone who participated. Are there any other announcements we should make today? Yeah, Jim. Thank you, Jim. So Tuesday, what was the time? Seven o'clock. So Tuesday at seven at Oakwood East, the Greek Chorus will be singing. So uh, attend that if you are able. If there are no other announcements, we will uh, get our service with our prelude music, a time to prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who is eager to forgive and who loves us beyond our days. Dear friends, together let us acknowledge our failure to love this world as Jesus does. God of mercy and forgiveness, we confess that sin still has a hold on us. We have harmed your good creation. We have failed to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Turn us in a new direction. Show us the path that leads to life. Be our refuge and strength on the journey. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend. Amen. Beloved of God, your sins are forgiven, and you are made whole. God points the way to new life in Christ, who meets us on the road. Journey now in God's abiding love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. God, I am grief-stricken, anxious, and angry. I don't know what I was expecting. No, that is a lie. I knew a life following you would be difficult and that I would experience challenges. But I wanted it to be difficult for others, and then I could come and help take care of things. I think I ignored the part where I had to wrestle with you and my own demons. I forgot that in helping others seek you, that I too was being called to seek you. That is so much harder. I hate it. This kind of liberation is not one I was ready to sign up for, but I trust you, God. You have led me through difficult waters before. You've sent others to help or encourage me. Help me to pray for those who have hurt me. I try to, but the words don't come. They are intermingled with emotion, anger, bitterness, hate. I know that I'm supposed to release them and choose love instead, but I can't stop wrestling with those strong feelings. I can't seem to just let them go. I want to leave them on this side of the river and not carry them forward, but I can't even begin to pry my fingers loose. My grip is like iron. Take my hand, God. Help me to release them and cling to you. Amen. Please be seated. And as our reader comes forward, I'll just say, uh, as a reminder, for a few months now, we've been using this resource called Expansive uh, Language Prayers. And so many of these prayers are written uh, to kind of expand our vocabulary for how we pray and worship. Uh, so this is offered to us by uh, Pastor Hazel Salazar today. The first reading is from Genesis, chapter 32. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> My help comes. 
The second reading is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage, with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but have, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully, Word of God, Word of Life. Praise be to God. 
Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 18th chapter. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And grace and peace be with you, friends, from God, our Heavenly Parent, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For some reason, I've always loved this parable. It's stuck with me. I often think of it as I pray. Uh, maybe it's because I pray for a list of people, and sometimes you've been praying for people for a long time, and it starts to feel like you're being persistent. When I become lax or hesitant in my asking, holding back in prayer, I remember this tenacious and persistent widow as an example of faith. I think Jesus wants me to be like her when I pray, when we pray. But I also love this parable because the more you sit with it, the more there is to it. There's a surface reading and there are deeper meanings. The stranger and more provocative it seems the more time you spend with it. Now in some ways, Luke, the writer of this gospel, does a little bit of a disservice because he, uh, he adds this editorial comment at the beginning that seems to color the rest of our reading. He says, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. Now, this is true enough. This parable is about prayer or has that sense to it. But it also seems to be about other things, too. And so, in some ways, it's helpful to remember that when Jesus spoke this parable, that first verse wasn't there, that he just told the story. At the beginning of the text, Luke tells us it's about prayer, but in the middle we get this story about pursuing justice tenaciously, and at the end, Jesus ends with a question about faith. So what is this parable about? What is Jesus trying to awaken in us this morning, provoke in us today? The famed Lutheran preacher Barbara Lundbad Lundblad spoke about this parable at the Festival of Homiletics in 2019. And she raised this question too. She asked rhetorically, is this a parable about prayer? Is it a parable about justice? Or is it a parable about faith? To which she responded, yes, 
it's a parable about prayer. It's a prayer about parable about justice. It's a, pr- a parable about faith. And then, in her words, to know this, we need to remember that what Jesus has joined together, let no one separate. Justice, prayer, and faith belong together. And so today, I want to take some time to talk a little bit about all three: justice, prayer and faith, and how they are held together. So first of all, justice. When we look at the words of Jesus on their own, taking off that first verse that Luke added decades later, there seems to be a lesson here about pursuing justice in an unjust world. That despite the odds, despite what we see, justice can still happen. The two characters we meet could hardly be more different. One is powerful and one is mostly powerless. First, Jesus says, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. This could have sounded a bit shocking to Jesus' original audience, or maybe not. Maybe they knew people like this. Because this judge sounds like a real piece of work by any standard, and particularly in light of Jewish law and custom. Some of the worst rulers in the history of Israel were described in similar ways. For example, King Jehoiakim was described by the historian Josephus as unjust unjust and wicked by nature and neither reverent toward God nor kind to man. That the judge does not fear God is contrary to what would be expected or hoped for in a righteous judge. The obligation to fear God was learned by every Israelite, according to the Torah. Fear of the Lord was the basis of wisdom, according to Proverbs, and fear of the Lord was the antithesis of injustice, according to Leviticus. So this is the first red flag for this guy. The second red flag is that he doesn't respect people. He doesn't seem to care about the merit of cases either. The commentator Arlen Hultgren suggests that the expression used here doesn't simply mean that the judge lacks respect, but that he had outright contempt for those who came before him. This is again in direct contrast to what the ideal or righteous judge would be according to the wisdom of Israel. There's a part of the book of Sirach where the ideal judge is described as righteous, who shows no partiality, listens to the one who is wronged, and does not ignore, and this is a direct quote, does not ignore the supplication of the widow who pours out her story. So this guy, this judge, is portrayed as the exact opposite of what the ideal or the righteous judge should be. The second character that we meet is a widow, a woman who has lost her husband. In that city, Jesus says, there was a widow who kept coming to the judge and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. We need to be reminded again and again in the biblical scripture, uh, that biblical time in the ancient world, widows were incredibly vulnerable. Unlike in our time, widows were not able to inherit or retain property for themselves and had to rely on family members taking them in. So throughout the Old Testament, our God who cares for the the vulnerable lifts up widows and orphans as people deserving of special protection. 
And this particular widow seems to come to the judge without any family support, which would suggest a, an extreme vulnerability. Now, we don't, Jesus doesn't give us the details of her case, what her petition was exactly, so we have to make some assumptions or some guesses. It was probably a financial matter with a male family member. Now, under Jewish law, she would have had a right to continued support from her husband's estate and the right to stay in her home. But maybe her husband's heir had taken more than he should have or wasn't giving her enough to live, or maybe she was evicted from the home where she was hoping to stay. Jesus doesn't give us the details. They seem to be beside the point for him, and his audience probably would have been able to fill in the blanks. But we can imagine this widow in his parable being fairly desperate because the only option she has left is to go to this unjust judge. She has no other recourse, so she goes to the one person who can actually do something about her situation, and it just happens to be this uh, dud of a guy. <laughs> she goes to the judge who greets all people with contempt and doesn't fear the Lord. She has no other choice, but she keeps going over and over, demanding justice and pursuing it. So finally, the judge gives in. He admits up front, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. A fun fact here, that phrase, wear me out, is actually, in the original language, a, a boxing metaphor, implying that she's come so many times that she's kind of given this judge a black eye, at least given him a, a black eye for public reputation. For us, the persistent widow has something to teach us about pursuing justice in an unjust world. That even in a world that is broken, in a world where we see systems and people harmed, we can still, through our advocacy, through our tenacity and persistence, find justice in an unjust world. We have hope because God and Jesus has promised to set things right in the end, but in the meantime, that doesn't mean we abandon the cause of justice. It means that we still strive for justice like this widow because we know we live in a world with hunger, with poverty, and discrimination. What if we were as tenacious as this woman in our advocacy for the vulnerable? Are we satisfied with a world where kids are hungry? Even an unjust ruler, Jesus seems to say, will give in from time to time if you metaphorically give him a black eye through persistence. But this parable is about prayer, too. Jesus says that we should be like this woman in our prayer lives. And the point isn't that God is like an unjust judge. God is the opposite of this. This is an argument from the lesser to the greater, that even if even an unjust judge is willing to grant justice from time to time with some coercion, just imagine the justice that can be granted by a righteous judge like our God. God doesn't look on us with contempt, but with compassion. And God desires to hear our request and it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Doesn't that give us a sense of freedom and hope in our prayer lives? That we, become, we come before 
a power, not like earthly judges, but one who wants to grant justice, one who wants to set things right, one who has destined the world to end that way. But this parable is also about faith. This is a parable about not losing heart. And it is easy to lose heart, isn't it? Jesus tells this parable near the end of his earthly ministry as he approaches the cross in Jerusalem. And he tells it right after a fairly long lesson about the difficulties that lie ahead. This parable seems to be for his disciples a word of encouragement to keep going, to keep engaging, to keep praying, to keep pursuing justice. It's a word of encouragement to keep the faith and trust that God will grant justice in the end. I imagine that Luke included this story for his community too. After Jesus had died and risen from the grave, there was this expectation that he would return to set everything right. But then time went on, and I imagine it became easy to become discouraged that God hadn't set things right yet. And so this parable comes to Luke and his community too and tells them not to lose heart despite circumstances. He shared a parable meant to teach his community to keep heart, to keep striving for justice, and not to lose, and not to lose the faith. Because in the end, as Barbara Lundblad said, we need all three, justice, prayer, and faith. What Jesus has brought together let no one separate. Because if we pray without seeking justice, then we find that our prayers begin to sound empty, like the, like the caricature of thoughts and prayers after tragedy. But if we pursue justice without praying, we start to believe that everything is up to us and that there is no hope beyond our own efforts, which is exhausting and can lead to despair. And without faith, we would lose heart to do either. We need faith both to pray and to strive for justice. Because the good news is that we have faith in a God who is righteous and just, a God who greets us not with contempt but with compassion, a God who desires to be in relationship with us and to hear from us in prayer, a God who hears our cries and knows our suffering. We have a God who wants to give us justice, who wants to give us the kingdom. And so today, Jesus gives us this gift, a gift of encouragement, a gift of faith, a gift of hope that in our prayer, in our striving for justice, we have a righteous one who hears, one who is with us as we strive for what is right. And may we follow the example of this widow, both in our prayer and in our seeking of justice. May we not be satisfied. May we come forward with a voice saying on behalf of the vulnerable that their case needs to be heard, that God will set things right, but it is our job to join in that work. May the widow give you the gift of persistence, and may God give you the gift of hope and faith. Amen.
for all the baptized that they become skilled in compassion and grace and equipped to share the good news with all. Grant your followers persistence in proclamation and prayer. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. For air and sky, clouds and sun, that they provide rain to parched lands and relief to flooded ground. Renew and restore our polluted atmosphere and empower us to be worthy stewards of creation. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. For judges, juries, and all who work in the judicial system, that they desire wisdom, seek truth, rule with fairness, and have the courage to do what is right. Eliminate oppression and injustice in our criminal justice system. Hear us, O oh God. Mercy is great. For all who are lonely, especially those who have newly arrived in an unfamiliar city or country, political prisoners without recourse to justice, hospital patients without visitors, and any who are ill or grief-stricken. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. For those in our congregation and community engaged in advocacy work, especially the Lutheran Office for Public Policy in Wisconsin, that with the persistence of the widow, they lift their voices in seeking justice on behalf of others. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. For those who have taught us faith and now rest in your heavenly peace, that we remember and give thanks for these saints who shared the gospel through word and deed, Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. With grateful hearts, we commend our spoken and silent prayers to you, O oh God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you.
Please stand as you are able. Let us pray. Gracious God, in your great love you richly provide for our needs. Make of these gifts a banquet of blessing and make us ready to share with all in need through Jesus Christ, who sets a table for all. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death in the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy God, our bread of life, our table, and our food. You created a world in which all might be satisfied by your abundance. You dined with Abraham and Sarah, promising them life, and fed your people Israel with manna from heaven. You sent your son to eat with sinners and to become food for the world. On the night in which was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, it's my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his life given for us and his rising from the grave, we await his coming again to share with us the everlasting feast. By your spirit, nurture and sustain us with this meal. Strengthen us to serve all in hunger and want, and by this bread and cup, make of us the body of your Son. Through him, all glory and honor is yours, almighty God, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Gathered to one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. To communion today, you'll come forward uh, on the side aisles, and you'll, at the front of the side aisles are these two tables where you'll pick up an empty cup. You'll pick up that empty cup and bring it with you to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you will receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them and bring them with you to the railing. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in this bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that you are welcome to commune with us today because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes from Christ. We extend our, our fellowship and communion to those joining us online and by phone. We are very glad you are with us around the table this morning. Christ invites you to this table. Come, taste, and see.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God of the abundant table, you have refreshed our hearts in this meal with bread for the journey. Give us your grace on the road that we might serve our neighbors with joy. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
briefly before the final announcement, I, I hope you uh, took note that we've rearranged a little bit out here in the narthex. Want to give props to Dina for for helping track down chairs and things like that. Uh, but we're trying to encourage uh, people sticking around, have a cup of coffee, visit mill, bound, mill around a little bit. So if you have time for a cup of coffee, you are invited uh, to join us in the narthex. You can spread out to the library too if you need a seat. So uh, all are welcome. Receive this blessing. God who gives life to all things and frees us from despair, bless you with truth and peace. And may the Holy Trinity, one God, guide you always in faith, hope, and love. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace with Christ beside you.